Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello and welcome back to episode number 25. And today we are live in the parent group, the Up My Hockey parent group. It's a private group uh, where I talk about mindset, uh, mindset skills required to become our best as, as athletes and, and the intangibles of uh, the character intangibles uh, required to get to where you want to go. And I also have interviews like this with uh, either ex-pros that get released onto the podcast or other people involved within the game of hockey uh, in some capacity, whether it be a scout or whether it be a visualization expert or whether it be uh, sports psychologists, nutritionists, um, that, so to provide access to parents and, and the athletes of those parents uh, to give them an advantage, you know, to become the best athletes that they can be. Uh, I really enjoy the group. The group's growing. Uh, so if you want to have a front row seat for some of these interviews, by all means, uh, step into the Up My Hockey parent group over on Facebook, especially if you have an athlete. That's really who it's designed for. Uh, we get into a lot of cool stuff there, a lot of cool master classes. And, and like I said, you also have a chance to listen to somebody like Nick, Nick Antropoff and also ask, ask questions to Nick yourself. So like I said, Nick is the guest today. Nick joined us from Muskoga, the Lakes uh, Cabin region there up, up in Ontario. Uh, it does get a little bit draggy at a certain times it's nothing too bad uh but the internet out there wasn't amazing but nick, nick was gracious enough to spend an over an hour and a half of his time with us and and we get into some super cool uh interesting facts about nick and about his journey as a hockey player and gosh it's hard enough to make it to the nhl let alone make it to the nhl from kazakhstan a place where he didn't even know what the nhl was he says until he was like 12 or 13 years old uh, to become a 10th overall draft pick to the Toronto Maple Leafs and that story about the draft and the story about how he became to his first NHL camp uh, and just how little he really understood about what he was getting into, not being able to speak English, not knowing anybody within the organization. I mean, I can relate to him on, on some levels, but I understood how hard it was as a North American kid. And now here he's coming over and trying to trying to fit into one of these original six, six franchises as a first a first round draft pick uh, and make the most of it. And he had to essentially grow up as a hockey player and as a human, as a man, uh, grow up physically, grow up mentally uh, in front of the watchful, scornful eyes of how nasty Toronto Maple Leaf fans can be when they want to be. So things didn't go as well for him, which we talk about in his first few years with the team. I mean, he was 19 years old. He was 180 pounds, standing six foot four, uh, playing a very physical game with the men, and he was getting injured. And he wasn't producing the way he wanted to, and the fans were letting him know that. So he had to grow up. He had to grow up into that frame. He had to grow up into the role, figure out how to play there. Um, figure out how to find his confidence again. And, and he did that, though. He did mature with the Leafs. He ended up leaving that organization uh, with an A on his, on his jersey. And uh, what a testament to him. And we cover all of that. So, you know, Nick ended up playing 788 games in the NHL. He played with Toronto. He played with the Rangers. He played with Atlanta. And that Atlanta team moved to Winnipeg, where he scored the first 
ever goal uh, with the Winnipeg Jets coming back. Uh, we talk about that. And now he's also a skills consultant with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, primarily with the Toronto Marlies, working with the uh, Russian, Russian-born players over there, helping them with the transition over to the North American game. So Nick has a ton to offer us. Uh, I, I love that. I love his story and I love being able to talk about his story. And I love that you're able now to listen to his story. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to take away from it. There's a lot to learn from, from Nick. And he was, he was really gracious with his time and really vulnerable about what he went through there. So without further ado, I bring you Mr. Nick Antropov. All right, so here we are, Up My Hockey, episode 25, I think it is now, uh, and we have Nick Antropoff on the show. Uh, Antro, thanks so much for joining today. I really appreciate appreciate you being here. Well, thanks for having me, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you got me up a little early. We were joking about it already, so Nick's out at the cabin there, and, uh, and well, where, where are you actually? What, where, where, where is the cabin? So it's about two hours, 15 minutes door to door from, from Toronto to Muskoka. So it's a area called Muskoka. So that's famous, you know, here <laughs> kind of yeah, good cottages, you know, on lakes and cabins and everything. Yeah. So it's about, I don't know, thousands and thousands of lakes. But that's where people go, come usually on the weekend. So I had a pleasure to live here since the pandemic starts so since March. Right. I haven't been in Toronto yet. So. Oh, good for you. Are you enjoying your time out there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I follow you on Instagram there, and some of those stories is pretty cool. Um, where you, where you get to hang out there, but yeah, so Nick's out Nick's out there in the East Coast, and uh, well, not East Coast, but Eastern Time Zone, and and uh, with his schedule, he made me get up at six o'clock this morning, so that's all good. It, uh, I got to get the the cobwebs out of my eyes here to keep this one rolling. But. <laughs> I haven't had a coffee uh, yet too, so I'm just waiting for my coffee to get brewed. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, and we are live again in, in the uh, My Hockey Parent group, so this is super cool. So I didn't announce it in the group, but um, for, for anyone in the group who chooses, we already have a couple people looking in. Um, by all means, Nick, Nick would be happy to take some questions. Nick with a 13-year NHL career and now helping out uh, the Maple Leafs and the Marlies in the, in the skills consultant department. So we, I want to get into all that, Nick. Um, yeah. But maybe we'll just start with where we actually met, which for me was pretty fun, and I know you've done it a ton of times, but the... Uh, the Leafs alumni had a had a trip out west, and usually you guys don't come out west because no. why would you? You I mean there's so many people out there in the east, and so many so many uh, projects and activities to to be a part of there. But they came out west all the way to the island, and uh, and they needed a couple extra stragglers to to pull along. So uh, so they <laughs> grabbed me out of the <laughs> you were they grabbed good, me out of the woodwork. Uh, they wanted to lower the average age there a little bit too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah, because I'm the only one pulling that for now, so far. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So yeah, like Rick Vi was there, and Dan Dau, and Ally Afraidy, and uh, Gary Valk, and Brad May, and and uh, obviously Nick and uh, Trevor Kidd. So there was a there was a ton of guys there. I know I'm forgetting Herbie, some guys. Yeah, yeah um, Gary Herbie, Lehman, and uh, yeah, Lehman. yeah. It's so, a good group of guys. Yeah, I had a I had a ton of fun. That was a re really fun, and we we were raising some money for some charities, and we played in three different spots, and uh, and had a chance to talk with some some guys like uh, like yourself there, Nick. And I I really enjoyed that. And one thing I found out about you is that we share the same birthday. So uh, February eighteenth is a good day for you and I. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, idol idols too. 
hockey. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah, Mario Lemieux. Mario sure. Lemieux. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I wanted to get into this. This show, Nick's a bit different than a lot of podcasts. I, I listened to one of the ones that you were on with uh, with the Hockey Illuminati, which was which was a pretty cool talk. Uh, I, I do like talking about hockey stories and stuff, but I, I really like talking about like the journey, you know, and and what 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 a player's journey was like yeah. and what he had to go through. Because I think it's an important part and, and stuff that people don't necessarily talk about a ton. Um, and I think your story is like super compelling just because of you know obviously where you came from and and not many people were coming out of Kazakhstan to the NHL and the fact that you were so young when you made the trip over the fact that you didn't know English didn't know the culture like I I wanted to start kind of back there I mean you growing up in Kazakhstan if, if you don't mind and like what that was like and how that maybe compares to differently to what your own kids are experiencing now in North America yeah well yeah it's a long long story we have a lot of time right i guess so yeah yeah no <laughs> I, uh, like every, like for me i have no idea what was nhl since i was until about age of 13 14 so i had no clue what nhl is what's happening there so for my goal as a kid was to make my hometown pro team that was my goal and that would be my highlight of the, my career you know what i mean which i did at the age of 16 although I already knew a little bit of NHL at the time. So let's put it this way. So when I discovered what NHL is, so let's say I was 14, for example. Uh, so we had 30 minutes of NHL highlights uh, every once a week. So 10 best goals, 10 best saves, like a Don Cherry type of thing, you know, the old school, yeah. and 10 best NHL coverage that we had. So, so obviously never dreamed to play in the nhl never even thought in my wildest you know dreams like i would be playing for toronto maple leafs especially right so right i made my hometown team at the age of 16. at the before that actually was a funny story too because uh, in kazakhstan in about 93 92 so like you know like when ussr break down on 15 different republics Okay. So I ended up in kazakhstan it used to be ussr right back yep. kazakhstan was kind of struggling with like was keeping a coaches and good players so everybody started leaving for better you know to russia to play and uh the friends that i played with or my teammates three of them left i was i'm not i'm gonna say now i don't care but i was the best player you know and my dad was so against for, for me to leave uh, until i played at least one year for my pro hockey team he was so against i was so pissed at him like you you have no yeah <laughs> 15 you know but uh, he did the right thing. I'm really uh, glad that he did that. I like I appreciated what he'd done. So he kept me, you know, for another extra extra year and a half in Kazakhstan. So I played the pro full season for my pro hockey team, which called Torpedo. I played there, and then uh, the next year I, I moved on. So obviously I got drafted with the Leafs, and I yeah, well, next year I moved let's, on let's to Dynamo Moscow. Yeah, let, let's let's re let's rewind yeah. there. So you're. Why did why where did you want yeah. to go? Uh, did you want to go to Russia and follow your your uh, your other teammates there? And that's and and why did your dad not want you to do that? Basically, I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know why he did the right thing. I don't know why. So he wants me. I guess he wants to see me. Like he didn't want to let me go. I guess you know, just as a parent, you know, like yeah. <laughs> your kids living in it, and you you know, I guess that was the, his. But the main goal for him, he wants me to play that one year for the pro pro team on my hometown right so 
And uh, but I wanted to go to Russia because I got lots of you know asks, like a couple of coaches, and potentially play for Team Russia. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, young right. guy, you don't think somebody asked me to go, like I'm gonna make me and I'm gonna make it. No, the, none of whoever left for my team or they didn't make anywhere. You know what I mean? So right, right. that's why I really, really appreciated what my dad did to me. Like he kept me there and I played and then turned out to be, you know, 13 year <laughs> NHL veteran, I guess at yeah, the end of the day. No, that's super wild. And so you're uh you talked about the draft year and I was and I was when I was researching the episode, I I saw that you played for Kazakhstan nationally there at the uh at the World Junior Tournament. So yep. you played there prior to getting drafted if I had my dates correct, right? Yes. Gotcha. So was that I would say uh, that's where I got scouted like as uh yeah, go ahead. No, that's just what I was going to say. I was wondering because there can't be too many scouts running around the Kazakhstan pro leagues, I would assume, right? And and that's a big that's a big stage One scout there. Made it. <laughs> yeah. Once one scout made it to my hometown from Nashville. That was it. Back then, it was one flight from Moscow to my hometown, one flight a week. So if you come to my hometown to watch whatever, like you stuck for whole week. You know what I mean? And there, there was nothing to do, <laughs> literally. So I only saw one scout. I didn't even know what scout is up until, like I said, like 14, 15 years old. So I, I'm assuming I got scouted yeah, in an international level because uh, I played for U18. U20, I played two junior, well, that's prior to the draft, so I played U18, and I think once U20 for three year older. So the guys that I played with, it was three year older than me, 77 born. Yeah. So I I made that team at 16 as well, so I guess that's where I got scouted, yeah. Right. What was life like in Kazakhstan at the time for you? I didn't care. I was just, I love to play hockey. Like, I mean, it was, I guess it was tough. Now I'm thinking back, you know, like USSR breakdown. So there's a different, it's Kazakhstan now, not Russia, you know. It's been like when I was 13, 14, yeah. So we were struggling as a family. Like my dad was working at the uranium factory, right? So he get up at five in the morning and be like, you know, like 45 minute howl, you know, like we didn't have a car, we didn't have anything. So he'd get up at five and came back home at five, you know, so that's like, and uh, we were like, not struggling. I wouldn't say we were struggling, but we didn't have money. You know, I couldn't like, I can't even buy ice cream. You know what I mean? There was like no extra money for nothing. So we were kind of saving for everything. But, you know, as a kid, you don't really think about it, right? Like you're just having fun. You go, I spent like five, five, four hours at the hockey ring. So I would practice with my, with my team age group. Then, uh, I stayed on for another, and then I wait a couple hours, and then there was a younger kid, about six year old, uh, six year younger than me. So I knew the coach, so he let me in all the time. So I was working on my hands. All I didn't know I was working on my hands. You know, when he tried to dig like twenty six year olds, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a that was a really good experience for me. So I I just loved playing hockey. So it, nothing bothered me, right? Right. As a kid, like I said, you never think about what's happening in the world at the time. No, exactly. And I mean, you have, and especially when you have nothing to compare it to, because I, I assume that what you were surrounded by was similar to experience that you had, right? So that everyone's kind of doing the same thing. How was, I mean, yeah, hockey's, an expensive, hockey's an expensive sport, though. Like, was that a priority that your parents put on, on it, like to make sure you guys had skates and equipment and could do your thing? 
Well, back then, so back then, if you like in Russia, it was different situation in Canada, right? So here parents pay for everything up until you make to the OHL, right? So then your kids getting like free skates, free sticks, blah, blah, blah. So back, back there in Russia, it changed actually the way it's in Canada right now. But back when I was a kid, so the hockey, it's not hockey school. It's a, so the, let's put it this way. So the pro team. In, it take care of the all the teams that below them. So it's farm team and uh, junior team, and you know, so the organization as a whole support them. So you get free equipment, you get except the skates actually. So, but sticks they give you sticks, they give you gloves, they give you everything, right? Oh. So it's under whole like one bubble. Yeah, yeah. So it was. But I mean, it's a Russian. It's a Russian. We ne- I never see like a Jofa gloves or like Coho gloves back at the, at the day or Cooper. You know, like until I was fifteen. And like it's all like Soviet, you know, <laughs> gloves and everything. So it was a. Uh, I was playing. Uh, what's those skates called? Uh, I don't know. I've never remembered this word. But uh, when in seventy two, seventy like up until eighties, they played in those skates. It's uh, like a uh, leather skates. You know, like and uh, not even my- before microns. What was it, like a. Oh gosh! Like they played in seventy-two series, like you know what I mean, like, like those, the old, those like leather those old skates. Plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had those ones. There is no, yeah, there is no, yeah. So I played up until I was fifteen years old. So I played in the in the, in the skates like this. So one day, coach goes to, and I was a captain of my team, and the coach come up to my dad and said, "Listen, buddy, like, okay, spend like it was a forty rubles. So my dad used to make hundred twenty rubles a month, and the skates cost forty rubles." Oh so you God. had to throw the budget, you know what I mean? So I was, I remember that day like it was yesterday. So we went to the sports store and he bought me those skates. I was so happy. It's a, it's a Russian micron. So it's a plastic, you know, and talk, right. you know, it was, a, it was cool. Holy smokes. What an investment that is. <laughs> so that's though, what, hey? <laughs> that's crazy. I guess it paid out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so yeah, so when you went to where was the where was the World Junior Tournament the year that you went? So I played one in uh, in Pool B, that one in Kiev. So the year before, and then in '98, so the, my draft year, I think I was already drafted. Yeah, I was already drafted. It was in Winnipeg. Oh, so okay, so you're already drafted. Seventy-eight born players. So that yeah, that so year I was you... already drafted. But the one, no, you know what? I don't even remember. You gotta you gotta look up. You have a computer in front of you? Because yeah. I played one in Kiev. That was Pool B for 77. For 70. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, I was uh, before my draft, I played in uh, Hamilina, Finland, World Junior. That's when we beat Canada, actually, 6 3. And we finished higher than. That's so we right. finished seventh. They finished eighth, I think. So that was the year bef- uh, before my draft. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. So that was because um, I have you. I have that in nineteen ninety eight. That was the one where you had in seven games you had six assists because um, that would have been your draft year. You that was played, uh, Hamilina, Finland. Yeah, yeah, and you that also played U eighteen that year where it says yeah. you had fifty four no, points no, in don't, five don't games. That. Uh, dis- disregard that. <laughs> 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable. Okay, we like 25 points in one game or something like that. Yeah, it was like so. The oh. reason we went to play there, so Team Kazakhstan, like U18, used to play in Asia and Oceania back in the day. So we would play like uh, China, South Korea, Japan. 
So that was like a mini tournament, but the cost of traveling and everything was huge, right? Yeah. So I guess the, our federation asked IHF, WIHF to uh, move us to the European Championship. And that was, by, by the way, was the last European Championship ever. There is no after that. Gotcha. So, and we had to start from Pool D. So that's where all the stats. So that was, we played against like Iceland. Right. We played against Luxembourg. I don't know if you guys heard those. Spain, yeah. <laughs> Netherlands, you know what I mean? So so we had to start from the bottom and kind of go way up. But that was the last European Championship. And they, gotcha. So Pool D, you were in there. That's crazy. And, yeah. um, so, so what was that like then playing in the, uh, you know, playing in Pool A like that and beating Canada? Like, was that a, that, I would assume that would have been a really big, epic experience for you guys being at that tournament and playing those teams. Absolutely, yeah. That was uh, like just for me, just to make the team Kazakhstan and represent my country, it was like unbelievable, huge. I don't know, I don't care what level it was, you know what I mean. But so the only one thing I want to mention in that, so our team Kazakhstan, like you know, Team Canada, they got players from all over the Canada. So Team Kazakhstan, it's one dressing room team from my hometown. So there was only from my hometown. That was it's our team. So we combine like two, three age groups together. That was it. So we can draw from like uh, east or west or north. You know what I mean? So it's one dressing room team, basically, literally. Wow. And one dressing room team from Kazakhstan <laughs> beat Canada. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, it was epic. So I, I don't know how. Our goalie was, I don't know what he ate. and I, I, <laughs> But I think he stopped, I don't know, 70 plus shots, you know, like, and we like, I guess, Eight times we come out from our zone and we managed to score six goals. So, <laughs> you know what? I mean? <laughs> Is that, are you kidding? Is that a true fact? Like you came out of your zone eight times the entire game? I'm just exactly. Well, maybe like ten, ten or twelve. You know, like right. I would like to have a tape. Like I, I've been asking for this tape, but I guess because we beat Canada, nobody's you know really <laughs> responding back to me. So. <laughs> Because I, I I'd love to watch that game all over again, like just oh, you know, oh. like and actually counted how many times we come out and what like what our possession like and shots difference. It was like right. I don't know, maybe like fifteen shots we had, maybe less. But, That's wild, yeah. I mean, because it's cool to talk to you, somebody on the other side of that. Because you know, being a Canadian guy and being a Canadian guy that played World Junior and won a gold medal and followed it, you know, like that. As you know now, living in Canada, it's a it's a huge deal. Right, like that team's a big deal, and there's a lot of people that follow it. And how well Canada does does there is like a a big thing to the national pride, almost. Right, you know, well, and nothing but gold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and for and for that year, right, to to be almost relegated and then to lose to Kazakhstan, <laughs> like you say, I mean, it was like people were really wondering what's wrong with their program and what's going on and everything else. And I, I love having you here, being a part of that. Uh, being a part of that uh, that game that was just like a black mark for Canada that yeah. whole, whole series. And we, we we tried to ex exchange jerseys after that, right? And they like just yelling. Well, back in the day, I didn't know what they were yelling, but they like yelling from through the door. They wouldn't open the door and like you know like <laughs> off and like. And then the next year we played in Winnipeg. So I was already drafted. It was ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. So we played World Juniors. Was in Winnipeg and. Soon as the schedule came out, so I already knew a little bit because I've been in a, a rookie camp before, you know. So I kind of know a little bit of a Canadian hockey kitchen, you know. Put it this way, and then I look up at the schedule and I see Canada, Kazakhstan. So we would play, and I told our guys. So I was already playing in Dynamo, so I came in maybe like uh, four or five days prior to the World Championship. Yeah, and I said, "Yeah, get ready, guys! Like, get ready. Your 
us are like they're gonna kick our butts like and not just scoring wise but you know what i mean it was like uh, the first period i remember so we, we lost we ended up losing 12 to 2 right so it was four nothing after first period yeah but it was like i don't know probably they threw like 30 35 hits on us in the first period it was like the guys didn't like some of our guys didn't want to play you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, crazy a little bit of payback eh, for the Canadian payback team. but it started it started so you know morning skates so we we were skating after team canada for the morning skates because game was at seven o'clock because it's team yeah. canada right so we came in for the morning skates i think they were at nine we were at 10 or something like that and we just you know come up to the glass around behind the net on the corner there and the student tried to watch the and they started slap shotting pucks at us through the glass <laughs> that's when i knew like we go guys you'll be ready like keep your heads up and stuff because it's gonna be ugly <laughs> <laughs> so was that was that team that year the same thing like as far as like just one one team yeah, yeah. every team kazakhstan even even up until now like some there were some guys playing in the khl you know but back then especially in the junior level right it's all uh it's it's all like one dressing room team but they, they brought you though because you were one of the exceptions then in that scenario because i saw that you had the c and you were playing pro in russia but they brought you in for that for that for that well, what happened is because uh, I got drafted by Toronto, right? And uh, the year before, I played in Dynamo for Dynamo Moscow already. So that was okay. the year, right? So they and when it's uh, any any there is pause always. Like if there is any international tournaments for foreigners, let's say, like because I was Kazakh, right, playing in yeah. Russia, they the rule is you they must let you go, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they. They let me go obviously just for that tournament and uh, represent my country and cool. play spend whatever 12 days and win impact or 14 days play the tournament and went back to play for dino that's a successful uh, well i mean you're successful the year before with the six points we had eight points in six games i mean that's i mean playing playing for kazakhstan you you must have uh you know whatever been doing well and that must have been how did that feel for you to be able to you know compete and even excel at that level with with all these other guys like were you kind of measuring yourself out there i i, I assume seeing what no. seeing how you how you felt no for me for me it was just a tournament and yeah i didn't know who was like now i'm looking back there was like a hosa gabrick or you know all these names like cavalier legwind like back then i had no idea who like team canada team canada team us team us you know what i mean i didn't know any names so i for me it was like I said, like I, I didn't even know what draft is, you know, let's put it this way. So Right. So for me it was just a tournament. I'm excited to be there and yeah, I contributed for my country. So that was main goal. That's it. We the goal was to stay in the pool A, which we did, which we right. accomplished. That was the gold for us, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about the draft because um you you mentioned that you mean the draft you didn't know much about it. You, you you weren't at it, from from what I understand. I was um, no, I was I was at the draft. Yeah. Oh, I you did. Oh, so you, you okay? So you went. I didn't go to combines. The uh, the combines. I didn't go, but the draft. Yeah, I wasn't. I was at the draft. It was in Buffalo. <laughs> awesome. So then, at what point did you know, like during that season, that you know you were being scouted and projected to be a top pick, and like, did you feel any of that pressure? Or, like, how how did that work for you? nothing i knew nothing so that's how it worked it worked out perfectly for me because you imagine having this pressure like 
I guess my son went, my oldest son went through that, you know, like being playing in the OHL and just two years to get drafted. And there is so much pressure. It's unbelievable. I didn't know anything about it. Like I, it was day after day for me. So whatever. So my agent called me and said, hey, pack your suit. We're going to the draft. I'm like, okay, what's like, literally that was the conversation. I'm like, what, what's draft? He's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, like that's sort of the pick for the NHL. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I packed my stuff, you know, uh, flew to Toronto and then we drove to Buffalo and up until they call my name on stage. So, or up until the draft, I get Vinnie LeCavalier was the first overall there. So I kind of started because my agent told me, you're probably going to go at the draft already while we're sitting in the arena. <laughs> so he told me, you're probably going to go first up one, uh, first three rounds somewhere there. Right. So I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Literally just like, I'm like, okay, whatever. So, and then I was sitting there and then Vinnie went first. So I kind of, started looking what if they call my name what i have to do right i didn't even know i didn't even own the suit so because you have to wear a suit and tie right kind of like yeah. you know so yeah. my agent went and bought it for me a couple of days before so it was it was like you're looking back now like what the hell you know what i mean right <laughs> so anyway right. and then my name got called up i'm like at least i knew it was like nine guys before me went out on the stage you know shake gary batman's hand so okay I'll take your jacket so <laughs> that's how uh I got drafted, I guess. Holy <laughs> smokes, man. Mantro, that's unbelievable. So, like, how did you find – I just wonder why you even had an agent. Like, what was your agent doing if you didn't know about the draft? And, like, how did that happen? I, I don't know. Like, I mostly dealt with my Russian – so, Russian representative. Yeah. So, he was from Moscow. So, he kind of got me. So, when I got drafted for Toronto, obviously, I didn't go – I didn't even go to the – uh to their main camp i didn't i don't think they called me up for the main camp that year right so so they kind of suggested me to go to the chl to play for brampton i got drafted uh on an import draft by brampton battalion and yeah. ohl uh so they kind of want me to go that way to you know you get used to north american lifestyle and the hockey but I already signed my, so I didn't hear anything from the Leafs after that, right? So, like, I signed the year uh, contract in Dynamo already, you know, like another year. Yeah. And Leafs were kind enough, actually. So they lent me there for one year. So it's kind of like Austin Matthews' situation when he went and played, instead of playing with the boys, you know, like I was playing against the men all the time, like, you know, mature yeah. men and stuff like that. So, so I spent a year there, played, you know, turned out to be okay. Like, so, but the funny, thing about the uh you know who stan butler is right so he's a long time canadian junior candidate like junior coach stan butler okay if you google him so anyway so he was coaching he he was still coaching up until last year for brampton battalion or now the north bay battalion so okay. 20 or 30 years of coaching career so anyway so i didn't speak any english obviously right so i have an interpreter with me so we went out to meet stan because he was trying to recruit me to play for brampton yeah. And obviously, I know, hi, how are you? And that's it, that <laughs> sit down or stand up. That's all I knew back then, right? <laughs> so we went out and, but I kind of can put, couple, you know, two words together when I listen. So I understand more at the time. So he asked me, how would you like to come and play for us? And before even he finished his sentence, I said right away, I'm like, no. Like before, I, <laughs> and my interpreter like kicked me in the shin under the table, like, shut the hell up you know let me put it nice way you know <laughs> so before he even so i understood that how would you like and come and play for us and he's like i'm like no <laughs> but, 
So I spent the, yeah, so I spent the year in uh, Dynamo. So like I said, I dealt mostly with my, uh, well, not mostly all the time. I dealt with my, I didn't, I didn't like, I'm, I was low maintenance guy. Like I, I didn't need anything, you know, like I just happy to be playing hockey at the age of 18, you know, and didn't think about it. Playing in Dynamo Moscow, one of the best teams in Russia, you know, it was awesome. So, yeah. That is, uh, I'm still thinking back to the draft. I mean, because I remember my draft where, I mean, we got in there two days early and you're and you're interviewing with all these teams and, you know, like, so you didn't have any of that. You just showed up almost like. Yeah, so I showed up maybe a week before because I had to, because I, I missed the combine, right? So nobody invited me to combine or I guess it was too much. I don't know what happened. So I've never been on a combine, which is uh, a month before, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I missed the combine. So I came in a week or maybe five days before the draft and I did five or four tests. So I did, you know, like a phys like phys physio test, right? Like, yeah. uh, so I did the test VO2 and uh, wing gates all okay. this four oh. days in a row, four days in a row. For I did St. Louis, Montreal, uh, New Jersey, and I think I did Toronto as well. So four days in a row I was doing those tests. So the teams, I guess, who was interested in me try to see what's <laughs> because I wasn't at the combine. So I was gassed like in four days, you know, like four VO2s, four wing gates and stuff. So I was right. like, oh my God. The longest 30 oh, seconds God. of your life, right? The wind gate. Montreal, Montreal back then they had 45 seconds. So I did it at McGill University. Yeah. And uh, my interpreter said they're asking if you know a couple people can come out and watch. I'm like, yeah sure, whatever. I don't care. Like I don't know. Like so I come in a room, I was like three hundred people in there, like students. <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> and then they told me, like, I know it's 30 seconds Wingate, but and then uh, actually 40, and they told me it's 45. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I did this 45 seconds, and then I went out. I ran. I ran from there and went and puke my guts out after that. <laughs> it's amazing how long 30 seconds is. I couldn't imagine how long 45 is. That's not... So that's wild. So you get to go up on the stage, 10th overall draft pick. Um you know, essentially 10th best 18 year old in the world, um, judged by the NHL. And, and you yeah. didn't, you barely even knew the draft existed. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> what did, like, why was Moscow Dynamo so important for you? Is that just because you were familiar with it? Like, and why you didn't want to uh, take that offer to come to North America and be a little closer to the team that drafted you? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I never thought about this. Honestly, God, I never thought about this. I guess. I guess I looked back then. I looked this way. Well, I gotta go and play with uh, you know six uh, or well, sixteen, twenty or eighteen year olds as opposed to I'm playing against the men. You know, I guess I felt it's a better competition for me. You know, right. for myself to to evolve to the or step to the next level. You know, so and I never even thought it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. I th that's I guess my thought. I never thought about it. I honestly got but. Right. And so the and then Toronto never really leaned on you very much. Like they were, like you said, they were nice and they kind of let you let you yeah. make that choice. Yeah, I guess yeah. That's throughout. Like I understand. So but I get I get ask my agent. So what's happened exactly? But yeah, so right. they didn't you know interfere me with anything. So it was it was good. So the next year. So then you're in Russia too, and and I I see you played it in in Toronto as a 19 year old. So I mean I can. I can relate to you only in the fact that I was young, but not that young. I mean, I, I was 21 when I got traded to to Toronto, just turned 21. And for me, even never being in that city before and, you know, playing for the Maple Leafs and, you know, getting traded for one of their assistant captains. Like it was a 
it was a really big deal and trying to fit into that room. And I was just trying to put myself in your shoes and being like, wow, I mean, now you're 19, you're coming to the Maple Leafs as their 10th overall draft pick, not speaking any English, not really familiar with the culture. Like how, how did you deal with, like you said, you're a low maintenance guy. So I think like you're probably like your vibe is, is probably like was okay with that or helped you, I would assume. But like, how were you with that transition? And what do you remember from that, from that, those first, those, those first month or so getting over? Well, let's step, step back a little bit. So I finished my, just before I came over to North America. So I finished my Dynamo Moscow that my first year there. So I never heard anything from the Leafs during the summer, you know, so I ink another year. So I signed another year with Dynamo, right? About, uh, I haven't heard anything from the Leafs, right? So anyway, so I signed one more year. So they played me in the first line. So we played four uh, preseason tournaments, you know, in, in Russia, they do it differently training camps. Okay. So it's like a June, back then it was full June. It's like literally like cardio lifting and stuff and running and stuff. And then uh, July kind of slowed down and then end of July to August, you start playing exhibition games. So you play or exhibition tournaments. So you played about 30 games before even you step up and play the first turn, uh, regular oh, wow. season game. Yeah. So yeah. I was, like I said, I wasn't, we were in Sweden, just finished quarter final game. Tomorrow is a semi final game. So I'm playing, you know, first line. I'm happy, you know, and then my Russian agent called me. So tonight, grab your, shit you know and then uh pack your shit and then uh 12 o'clock go downstairs there is a car for you waiting you're going to stockholm and then you're going to leave training camp <laughs> exactly so i had a all i had with me like you know a couple like underwear a couple pair of socks dynamo moscow suit with big logo big d logo you know <laughs> and a small little duffel bag that's all i had so at midnight i sneak out through the back door with my equipment you know and Next day, I was at the Leafs training, or two days after, I was at the Leafs training camp. So, <laughs> so that was my journey too. So the coach was so pissed, and then, but uh, my agent said uh, he'll deal with him, whatever. So anyway, so, and then when I came over through the training camp, obviously, like you said, you mentioned I never speak any English, so it was good for me. It was about four or five Russian guys at the time was the team. So it was Yuskevich, Karpovtsev, Denny Markov, Igor Korolev. He took me under his wing. It was like who. Unbelievable. So I didn't really need to speak any, you know what I mean? English. So I didn't really, my first three years, I actually like, I was just hanging out with Russian guys because I was, for me, the biggest hurdle to overcome is if I talk to the guys in English and if I say or pronounce something wrong, you know how you guys uh, start making fun right away. <laughs> so that was the biggest hurdle for me to start speaking English. So it took me almost four years, you know, when I felt comfortable. Right. With it, but uh, how I managed my first couple of months, like same, like I didn't, I didn't know what's happening again, uh, around me, right? I didn't read newspapers, so I imagine, like, uh, as a North American kid, you come in into the Toronto Maple Leafs and read papers and stuff, and it's like all about he's like stands overall. I'm pretty sure they were saying that 100. I didn't, I didn't understand anything. I didn't, it didn't bother me, nothing, right? Right. Holy smoke! So, so back, so you're back to that Russia story. So you essentially yeah. is, is you defected, correct? Is that well? Is it wasn't. It was already did? open country. It was open country. So I didn't. It wasn't the KGB like McGillney or uh, Federov did, right? So yeah. But I, yeah, I defected team. Yeah, basically, yeah. 
Gotcha. I left. So that was out. why it was like in the in the still of the night because you didn't really want to have to deal with the coaches and maybe they wouldn't let you go or whatever. He just was like, oh, they wouldn't let me go. That's why the agent told like, it wasn't my plan. It was my agent's plan, right? Because he knew like if as soon as they announced that that I'm leaving, they're, they're like, yeah, they shut me down. They like they, I probably wouldn't be able to go anywhere. So right. That's yeah, I know. It was crazy. I know. It was like four hours drive to Stockholm, and then like I slept like for three hours, and eight in the morning I was on the plane to Toronto. So you must have trusted, obviously, your agent a ton, right? Like to to listen oh, to that just, directive and just be I, like, "All right, I'm doing it." No, because I already. I think I was signed because I signed right. So I kind of I felt like I have to go, right? Because my obligation was it was the Toronto Maple Leafs. I guess you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I don't even know. Honestly, I don't know. Like, so for me, it was like a next step. So I made my at sixteen, I made my pro pro town hockey team, then Dynamo Moscow, and then the Leafs was, I guess, <laughs> my my next step. And then I right. came in. I didn't expect anything. I came with the mindset that I'll I'm staying there. You know, like I didn't know it was a HL. I didn't know it was a HL exists. So they could send me down potentially, you know. I didn't know what's uh, CH uh, or uh, East Coast League again. They could potentially send me down there, right? Yeah. I I came like yeah. They called me, so I'm on the team. So that was my mindset. That was it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and then so I spent the training camp. So I was the last cut. So two days or three days before the regular season. So that was the last cut. So they sent me down to Newfoundland. <laughs> For uh, I guess it was ten days or something because they need so they kind of my agent told me yeah you kind of made the team but they need to so I guess they trade somebody so to, to open up spot for me so I spent two two weeks or ten days at in Newfoundland played for I only played two games in there for the uh, Saint John's uh, Maple Leafs and uh, I got called up on the fourth or fifth game during the season and I since I stayed so. Wow, yeah. I mean, so I spent some time in St. John's too, a lot more than you did. But uh, that's that's interesting too, because you I mean to go there is is much different than Toronto, and, and <laughs> you mean what your experience is like there in that arena and everything else that was going on. But um, that was old arena, the old barn. Like yeah, the, the, yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I was uh, for me, yeah, I was calling. So I'm like, what's happening? So I came, you know, like 18 year old. Like uh, they called me, so I should, I must stay. Like, what is this? You know what I mean? Like why they yeah. send me? So I calling my agent. Like when is, when are they calling me up? When are they calling me up? Like every day. Like what's happening? You know why do I came? But uh, anyway, so ten days or twelve days after. So I guess I think they trade Stevie Sullivan or uh, to somewhere and then oh, create okay. a room for me or Freddie Madim, something like that. So so they trade one or two guys and then they called me or Derek Derek King. I think yeah, Derek King got traded and then gotcha. they brought me up. So so that was your first camp then with, with Toronto. That was your first exposure to the NHL. Yeah, yeah. And what what do you have? Do you have any memories of that? Like, how did that compare to you, for you uh, from Moscow Dynamo? Oh, it was completely different. Like you, you you have all the time in the world. You're not allowed to practice more than three hours a day. So, like in Russia, like it's like the training camp in Russia. You get up at eight or whatever, and then you don't go back. Like you, first morning practice off ice, on ice, lunch, two hour nap, second practice. So nap to four and then five o'clock another off like a dry land and then another ice and then you don't go back to your room till about five six no probably six six thirty so that was a Russian training camp day three so ice times a day two two ice times two dry lands wow and then here you know you come in 
within three hours like uh, okay what am i doing like what's what's <laughs> happening <laughs> so, so much just so, so much free time and stuff <laughs> did you find yourself that's actually interesting because i talk about that quite a bit in here sort of like what what your experience is and what your environment is kind of creates you, you know? So like you, you were exposed to this one way of doing it, which you just thought was normal. Right. And then yeah. you come over to North America and now it's a new normal. Like, did you, did you find yourself maybe being a guy that would go back and do a little extra just cause you're used to it? Or did you sort of just adopt the new, the new North American style? No. Well, I try, I think I tried at the beginning to do so, but yeah, they like, get out like yeah you're right, your time, yeah. you know what are you doing like yeah enough don't worry about it like you know like because they know exactly well they know exactly what you need you know what's hockey player like maybe in the summer you could do the extra right but during the training camp there is set up hours and you don't need to do any more because they want you to get ready and you feel 100 percent every single day right so yeah come on every morning so you're 100 percent, you know so I, di I didn't really I asked the Russian guys like to translate or uh, just to tell me what's happening, and they said, "Yeah, just three hours, no more than that. Like you don't need anything else, you know. If you want to go in a, like a hotel gym, but then there is usually GMs or somebody, you know, they're riding right. on a treadmill. They like they look at you. What are you doing here? Go rest, you know. Get ready for the next day." So, um, I noticed your. Do you remember those two games in St. John's at all? Like your first two games down there, because those would have been your first pro games in in North yes, America, correct? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I what do, do you yeah, What do you remember? Hundred percent. It was a. Uh, I was uh, running like an idiot, trying to hit everybody. Not scoring goals, but I tried to hit everybody, and then uh, <laughs> Sean Thornton, you know, like obviously, so he was there, so he just came up to me like, "Hey, said kid." Take it easy, because obviously you're not gonna fight, so I have it had to be me, right? So, <laughs> so you kind of like yeah, just go and score. But anyway, so it was against Quebec Citadels, I think, as I remember. And then yeah, uh, yeah I was trying to like absolutely hit everybody and roll, not like in a dirty way, but you know, finish my yeah, yeah, checks yeah. and yeah. this. And then I'm like, I was just remember I was like, so exhausted, and then they called me up on the side like, yeah, I guess. 10th overall, not supposed to do that, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, yeah. So it was uh, it was funny, but then, yeah, obviously, I, okay. So I settled down, and then I got called up after that, right? So not because I was running around like an idiot. <laughs> right, 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 but, right, right. Uh, yeah, I tried to play my game afterwards, so it was good. But I, <laughs> I remember, like, first period, was every single, like, whoever had a pack, bam, 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 like, finished my checks and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You you mentioned Thorny. I play I played with Thorny there, and actually just reconnected with him. He he, oh, yeah. uh, we might have him on as as a guest. What a career he ended up having too, from being yeah. in St. John's. Great, for, yeah, for such so a long. great guy too. He he kind of yeah. took me like I was only short period of time there, but yeah, he it's funny as hell, you know, and a great guy overall. Yeah. Just a short break from the program to one, thank you for listening. I'm super grateful for all of you who have commented, who have left reviews, who are faithful listeners of the program. The program is is growing and, and I'm appreciative of that. Uh, but I am requesting that there is a lot of you who are listening and and there I know there are some of you that haven't reviewed. There's some of you that haven't um, passed along the story, haven't spoken about the story publicly or the, or the show for that matter. And that is how you can help the podcast uh, and not help me. It's not helping me. It's helping those who haven't heard 
these guys' stories, like Nick coming over here from from Kazakhstan, not knowing English, having to navigate the waters of the NHL, um, hearing the stories of Brian McCabe and Jared Bednar and Kenny Holland and and all these great guests that I that I have been lucky enough to have on that are willing to share their story to help other people navigate their own journey and and without. Uh, those stories being made available, um, they can't be heard. So that's where you can do your part to rate, review, like, share, um, con- have conversations about it, uh, to continue to grow this, to make sure that these great stories, that these awesome little takeaways and nuggets that are left by all these amazing guests are able to be heard by other people. So please review, like, share. Uh, I'm grateful if you want to take the time to do that. I would love to read um, some reviews on the uh, on the podcast. And again, this is live or was live in the Facebook group, my Facebook group, Up My Hockey uh, Parent Group. It's a private group uh, where I talk about mindset and I talk about the hockey journey and I talk about some of these intangibles that really makes a difference for hockey players. So if you're uh, a hockey fan or a hockey parent that's interested and would like to be Uh, in the front row seats for these podcasts and be able to ask your own questions to these awesome guests, by all means, please join us on Facebook. So without without taking up any more time from the interview, I'll get you back to Nick Antropov. Um, So you get called, uh, so you get called back up, uh, end up playing 66 games that year. And I remember from that, from the last interview that I heard you on, did you, do you remember how tall you were when you got drafted? I wanted to make sure if I got this aspect correct. Well, what I think, I think I was 6'3", maybe 6'4", and I was like 180, 189 pounds, something like that. I was right. so skinny. I was like really, really skinny. Like, the, you know, like at the like combines, I guess, or at the draft, they do that uh, picture of you standing against the wall with your wings spread like this. <laughs> yeah. That was the most... That was the worst thing I ever like. In my mind, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so skinny. Like they look at me like, like it was like shame for me to do so, right? <laughs> so it was uh, crazy. But yeah, I mean, so so you, you think you're six three, six four, and you're six six now, yeah. correct? So that's pretty wild because I know, I mean, men can grow, uh, you know, after eighteen. My dad actually grew an inch and a half at twenty one or whatever, but it's not mm-hmm. common, you know. So as a as a guy that gets 10th overall and then now all of a sudden you're growing i mean you weren't getting any heavier while you were growing i assume it's hard not enough the first, not the first couple of years no definitely right not. <laughs> so you're you're like 6'6 190 in the nhl like um you know was you hadn't you hadn't bec- you know, you're you were you were years away from what you are now right like i mean that must have, how did that impact you playing playing at that level um not being physically mature yet yeah, it, I think it hurt me. If you look at my first four or five years of my career, like the, the game numbers, I play, I never played more than like sixty-six games, I guess. In my first, like, look at the bio, I guess, right. I got banged up, so I wasn't ready for that physical game. You know, like, yes, I played in Russia against the men, but there was barely hitting. You know what I mean? Yeah, coming into the NHL and then there was everything like bam. You know, like so much less room, which I loved it. You know, but. Uh, it slowed me down the, the, the uh, like I had a I had to miss with a shoulder injury like 29 games you know then uh, I had a two ACL surgeries my first two years in the NHL back to back basically you know so it uh, I wasn't physically ready 100 percent you're right did you 
with the injuries too and having them young i only had i was fortunate with my career i had one shoulder surgery towards the Mm -hmm. end 28 i mean i don't know all all i have is like my experience but i wasn't as good after i came back like i just i just didn't feel like i had the mobility i didn't i never really recovered the strength did you do you feel that those impacted you like later on yeah absolutely yeah like especially after my first acl surgery you know you're 19 you know like it's a summer, you know, you want to be like everywhere, but like you're going to rehab. So I didn't really pay a lot of attention to re- I was there every day that I was supposed to be. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, I wasn't doing a little bit like I should have done it a little bit extra. So it would like, but it still took me about five months, right? Six months to get back, which normal for these, any ACL surgery, right? For the pro athletes. But, uh, right. the, yeah, I was sitting in my back of my mind, like my, that first year. When I came back after uh, ACL surgery, so I was sitting and like I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to go in, into the corners and stuff like that, you know. But I was, uh, I don't think afraid is the right word, but uh, I was, I went there, but I was a little bit more cautious, I guess, you know. So yeah, make a little sure, hesitant. Like, yeah, hesitant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but it it affects you actually like if you look at the long way yeah, it affects you if you if your mind is not ready you know after like major surgeries and stuff like that yeah that's affects you as a player so 100 percent. yeah that's one of the biggest things actually guys coming back right you believing yeah. you know having that belief that it is going to be okay yeah. or that it, uh, knee is fine or whatever the thing is when um yeah, it's so wild, right? I mean, like, you're not that far removed from it. I mean, I feel like I'm totally far removed. But, like, <laughs> now I, I would assume, like, what you're doing now, and I don't want to fast forward, but, like, yep. now, like, you're helping guys that are making that transition. You know, like, yep. that's directly what you're supposed to be doing. I know you said that you had a lot of Russians on the team there, and you named a lot of them. It's kind of – that's sort of a different scenario, though, right? Like, I would, I would assume the team now is, like, really trying to prepare these guys for the cultural shift, for having them ready with English. Like, all those off-ice things that are so important to being a good on the ice, correct? Absolutely, yeah. 100%. That's what the team does now. Like, I mean, don't uh, – like, they offer – like, when I came over first time, yeah, they offered me, like, in, uh, the English classes, you know, to take. Uh, so I think it took one or two classes, but it was like the schedule was, you know, when during the year. So you travel this and this. so I, th- I learned all my English in the dressing room, like literally what I speaking. Like I, don't, I didn't take any English classes, nothing. So now the teams, uh, like I just literally translate to Barabanov, the new signee for the Leafs. Right? So they gave him uh, two English classes per day. So he's over the Zoom call, you know, he, he's learning English now. We were doing a, like a workout, you know, like a, just showing him how to do this th- cer- certain things, you know. So it was, it was like, yeah, team does really, really a lot for the players right now, for the Eastern European players, especially, right? So they, right. when they come over here, so they feel really comfortable, you know, and uh, know a little bit of uh, everything. Because the way you talk about it, it's interesting because the, the, you being in that bubble almost sounds like there was, in some ways, it was advantageous. To you, mm-hmm. you know, because you could really just kind of just have, you had your Russian buddies, they could talk to you. You went on the ice, you did your thing, couldn't read the papers, weren't listening to the radio. The coaches probably left perfect. you alone, yeah. The, and the coaches probably left you alone a little bit too. Um, well, they know, were like, Russians, yeah, to, to help me out, right? Obviously, right? right? So, but it was, I guess, that's how I survived 10 years or my first five years with the Leafs. It was the toughest years for me, like thinking back now. Back then, I, I was okay, injury, I get over the injury i play so i didn't think anything about it right 
Right. And then now I'm thinking back, yeah, so the, the media was on me, the fans were on me, I got booed, you know, my first three, four years, because, you know, first, uh, tenth overall, injury prone every single time, you know, like every year playing no more than 60 games, you know. So yeah. everybody was, not, I wouldn't say against me, but, you know, like a lot of people kind of, not not with our own, with organization, but outside, you know, kind of yeah. give up on me, but... Uh, I, but by me not understanding, not reading papers, nothing, you know, nothing bothered me. So that's, right. <laughs> you can say I yeah, strong mentally, but I like, I wish if I didn't wish actually, imagine if I understood everything, like I wouldn't be probably playing, like I wouldn't survive two, three years in the Leafs. Like, right. What's well, a tough market, man? Like, oh. and, and it's kind of crazy too. I mean, cause I had, uh, I had Brian McCabe on, who I know you played a long, a yeah. long time with, and Caber and I go back to to Spokane, and mm -hmm. he's just an awesome dude, and and he was like his story with Toronto is is like it kind of it, it's sort of it's kind of what you went through, but almost in reverse, right? Like he he came there, he found himself, he started playing unbelievable hockey, yeah. right, putting up great big points, kind of a top three four defenseman in the NHL, and kind of one the mistake, and then one mistake, that's yeah. it. Then one mistake, and all of a sudden, and then everyone's watching for the next mistake, right? And then sooner or later, every time he touches the puck, he's getting booed. And it's like, what happened? Like he said, like even outside, going to a, get a coffee, like people would heckle him and stuff. Like, oh really? Um, yeah, he said it was. <laughs> I guess I got same thing, but I never understood anything. <laughs> right. Um, and which is wild because you were a young, young guy. I mean, he, he was at the other side of the of, yeah. of it, you know, which maybe is a little bit easier to deal with. But uh, I guess, I mean, you, you said yourself you weren't immune to it, meaning like you didn't know that it, you knew it was going on, but you probably didn't know how much it was going on. Did, did you ever think that like when you're on the ice, did it ever affect you? Oh, yeah. Like, especially, yeah. I think it was after my third or fourth year to, uh, no, I think third year, somewhere there along there, somewhere like, I didn't like you know when the shootout starts after the lockout, so there was a shootout introduced into the league, you know, yep. and uh, I was sitting, I was going into the farthest corner of the bench and pray that my name, that Pat Quinn wouldn't call my name to go on the shootout, because uh, I had that experience at once, and like a whole nineteen or whatever was thousand people started booing me, you know, on a shootout, and I didn't score, and it was everybody's cheering, and after that I was sitting in the farthest corner. Turn my number against, you know, like a little bit like this, so kind of facing him, so he doesn't see my number. So <laughs> I was praying, please do not call my name. That's how oh. bad it was for me, you know. Yeah, and, that's. Uh, that, did, did he ever talk to you about that? Like, did anyone talk to you about that? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't remember. No, right. Because yeah, like that, like that mental side of it, and again, it's it's not a dis, it's not a a lack of belief in your own skills. I assume, like I assume, you probably still felt pretty comfortable out there on the ice. But it, you know, it's just that judgment, right? And putting yourself yeah. in that scenario is like it's just a natural human thing to not. Why would you want to be out there? Right? Like, <laughs> no, literally, yeah, like hundred percent, yeah. Like, it was, yeah. I remember this as it was yesterday. Yeah, like it was, uh, it was bad. Like it was. I don't know how bad on a scale one to ten, but it was for me. It was pretty bad. Like if you you want to be out there, you want to be the guy who decided the game or shootout or something. But I was sitting and praying that please do not call my name. You know, on the shootouts during the game, that's a little different. You know, but shootouts every like that's 
Yeah, hundred percent. You have time to think about it, right? And it's like, yeah, time to think about before you get to the spot. You start skating, you know, and then like everybody, nineteen thousand people looking at you and and expect you not to score to just to cheer, you know, like you you're not scoring, like kind of let you know, you know. And that's in your home rank too, like that. Yeah. So it was. uh, I talk a lot with. uh, There was a Russian lady, and I wasn't talking a lot, but I was talking a bit about this, you know. And then uh, you know Paul Henry. Yep. So he helped me a lot actually with that. So she, my the Russian lady that worked at the agency, it was Don Minra agency. So she connected me t- with him. And I talked to him like every like month or month twice a month. So he kind of helped me out through this a little bit. Not only like on a psychological, he just kind of get my confidence back, you know, like uh just talking about all the positive things, you know, just kind of block this. And he helped me a lot with that. So cool. which I really yeah so we still talk about it and we see each other pretty much twice three times a year when he's around you know so we still oh, keep, awesome. in, keep in touch yeah so do you mind talking about that anymore like uh, what those what those discussions were like or how how he what what, what he did uh, again we were just like uh, going to the, like a dark room you know in the living room or somewhere just me and him and then uh, I again English barrier you know English so I didn't really it just I felt like safe in there, you know what I mean? Like you just keep telling me I remember this. Like he was he was at the Hamilton World Juniors when I played there. So then at the winner. So just all these good little things, you know, like in what you did before and just kinda played him again and again, you know, it helps you just stuff like that. Nothing right. like on a psychological part. There isn't like just all just small I guess he knows how to, you know touch people somewhere and then to, yeah. just to get good memories back to you to you soon yeah. that's all we, we talk about well yeah, i was no. mostly listening i was mostly listening honestly that's it gotcha yeah and you I mean you say it's not psychological but i mean that is i, I guess mean, it I, is psychological yeah. yeah you know and uh and i think that's what's interesting because i mean paul henry I, I was introduced to him with the canadian world junior junior yeah. team that's how i that's how i started to or was introduced to him and got to know him myself and and there's an interesting gap there because when you start talking about sports psychologists, like for players to go to one, sometimes there's a big barrier there because you do feel like, oh, that's for people who have something wrong with them, you know, uh-huh. or there's, you know, like, and, and there's that, it's kind of like, well, and then we're athletes, right? Like we're pro athletes that have been trained to be tough and strong and all this stuff. And so like that, that whole thing there is like weird, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but for Paul, or if you find the right guys, I mean, there's obviously nothing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, and there's nothing broken about anybody. It's just, no. it's just the fact of like, hey, man, we need some support sometimes, right? You out. don't think at yourself, right? Like, oh, like you, you, you look at the outside people going to psychology, you know, like stuff like that. Oh, like so it must be something. But you never think about yourself that's something wrong inside of you. But it is yeah. like when you when you're sitting against the glass like this and waiting your name, like, yeah, please don't call my name. Yeah, there is wrong. There is <laughs> right. lots wrong, you know, inside of you. You just have to get a like a right person to let it out or whatever just to listen yeah. in my case right like so yeah and channel the positives i mean there's a yeah. whole bunch of tools and stuff but yeah i mean the guys that do it really well like they'll he found in you what worked for that right like yeah. where what to tap into to get you realigned with with uh, how to play your best hockey when did you maybe you did right from the get-go but you I mean you said that you know you were you know, you weren't quite physically ready. I'm sure your skill set was ready. Um, the fans were kind of on you. When did you first start feeling like comfortable? I'm an NHL guy. I can produce, and I'm I'm in the right place. So probably my 
fifth or sixth year in the league with the Leafs, so I, I gained a little bit of a weight. You know, I was a two or three at the time, and then I gained a little bit more. Not just naturally, not like working out just specifically for that, you know. So, yeah, obviously, I grew up a couple of more inches, and I realized so maybe my sixth or seventh year, I would say, because uh, I was looking, I tried to learn the game now, you know, from this sitting on the bench. Now I'm like, okay, so obviously, I'm a big guy, so my area is around corners and around the net, you know. When I realized that, so I had to go there, and back then, it was like, if before you remember those days when you go to the like you get like couple cross checks in the head, you know. <laughs> so uh, when I realized that, so I'm a big and strong, and I can battle with Darren Hatcher or Chris Pronger, you know what I mean, like guys like that, and not give up, you know. So yeah. that's when I start feeling like, you know what, like I got to be more bullier there, you know. I guess my six, six, seven years or something like that. Gotcha. So that's when I realized. So I, obviously, I was like 30, 35 pounds heavier already, right? Right. When I first came in the league. So, and then basically I made my uh, office there. So I love to be in front of, I used to love to be in front of the net. And uh, tip, I was working all every practice, every uh, morning skate, I was working and tipping the pucks, you know. Like literally, I was every practice, at the end of the practice and the morning skate, I always, you know, got a 40, 30 pucks, you know, for the blue line and ask one of the defensemen, just shoot at me, shoot anywhere, you know, shoot high, shoot. Yeah, I work on that, and then because uh, if you know, like all the shots, like sixty or seventy percent of the shots end up in front of the net, you know, for the rebounds and stuff like that. So when I realized that, and I started working on it, so so that's when I like I turned the fans around actually, so they were kind of you know was cheering when I was scoring and stuff like that. It was cool to see actually. It was a good experience. Oh, that's awesome! So you kind of reinvented yourself a little bit. Is that is that accurate to say that? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, like I like I just. I know I was big. I was always no like, but in the NHL back in the back in those days, like shit, like what's the average height was six two, six three. All the guys were kind of you know, plus minus similar, right? Yeah. And I had to, and I did realize this by myself. Nobody taught me. Nobody even told me. Or right? obviously, it's like I look at my goal production. Yeah. So where my all the goals were scored, and it was like two or three from outside, you know, but most of majority of my goals were like kind of like around the nets mm-hmm. within six, 10 feet of it. Right. And then I start work on it. And then I, I, I to actually, I look at the Dave Andrichak's video too, right. Cause he's, he was the master there. Right. So, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I start working on it, kind of reinvent, like get a new, I guess I learn new skill, you know, and then, uh, I start right. using more and more and obviously I start shooting more and more. And, uh, the success that I had, if I can call it success, came, you know. <laughs> right. Well, no, I mean, that's that's success. I mean, you, you ended up wearing a letter there, too, in Toronto, starting to have 20-goal seasons. Um, you you yeah. would have had the one in 06, 07, but, you, you know, it looks like you had some injuries there, ended up with 18. Uh, it, that's tough for g- guys. I mean, I want to congratulate on you that because the whole time going up, and, and you see that now in, in the skills development, but, like, you were the best player in Kazakhstan, like you said, you know, like – you know, you were, you were, you were the guy, right. And you're being the guy. And, and when you're the guy, you want to hold the puck more, right. And you want to be the guy making the plays and you want to, you, you see yourself as being that player and, and maybe you could have been that player, but you, you kind of reinvented yourself to be the guy who's the net front guy, right. To be the guy that's going to stand yeah. in front and take the tips and take the hacks. And that's a way different mindset than probably how you right. walked into Toronto in the first place. So some oh, yeah, guys aren't sure. willing to make that. Some guys aren't willing to make that cha- choice though, that change. You know, and absolutely. 
And uh, that, I think that's pretty cool that you that you did that. W- w- when did you start playing with Matt? Because I know that you and him played together for quite a while. Did you not? Yeah, I think we played like two and a half, maybe three seasons towards uh, his last, I guess his last two or three years in Toronto. So that's where we started playing together. Me, Matt, and uh, Alexey Panikarovsky. So that was the line. If you look, yeah, so I mean two, I mean three, like we were like the smallest guy was, I think shortest guy was Pony and I guess six, four, Matt's is six, four and Pony six, four, two thirty, you know, I'm six, six, two thirty five or two thirty two and Matt's was six, four and two thirty two same. So that's like almost a, (laughs) that's a big line, you know, so we did a lot of damage actually in in the offensive zone so nobody especially with the new rules that came in after that lockout remember no hooking no grabbing nothing like that so right so it was uh, i was always amazed by matt's actually how he handled all the pressure and everything off the ice on the ice but the way he just used his body when he played you know like just that small little step in front of you and you're done you know you don't need so it was uh it was really really helpful yeah and it was a good good leader yeah so we talked a lot about our plays on ice as well so it was a uh, it was a good experience for me yeah that's pretty special i mean he again you I mean you're you're in the greatest league in the world and putting up good numbers yourself but it's just there is just some guys that are just better oh, you know course. like that yeah. that just like it's like crazy right and he was just and one how? of those guys right <laughs> i know you ask yeah. yourself how like what's What's the difference? You know, yeah, obviously he's, but yeah, there is a lot of difference if you look and you know the game exactly what's happening. Yeah, you'll notice what's the difference between the guy and just the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah, he was. I mean, <clears throat> I got to play with him actually, him and Wendell for for a little while when when I was there, a couple couple games, and that was like super special. Definitely wasn't comfortable doing <laughs> in that spot. Um, not really sure what my role was supposed to be there, but it was just really wild to be in the locker room and just to see him uh, because again saying that i mean matt's was always the guy that was the guy right and then there was other guys playing with him but he yeah. always put up the points and he was always doing what it what you know he was just that guy and one thing i remember about him and i don't know if if, if you agree with me or not but i just thought his backhand was the most ridiculous thing oh, yeah. I'd, I'd seen it, like, was, <laughs> it was always uh even during the practice or during the games he was always if he scored the backhand he makes sure everybody knows. Like you see that backhand, he was always like you know bragging about it. Like it was hilarious. <laughs> He's like, always saying my backhand is throwing like like faster than your slap shot or like you know. Yeah. Like, it was it was one of the hell of a backhand. 100%. Yeah, I mean he would go cross ice backhand sauce like hard. You know, like it was he was he was deadly with that thing. Oh, yeah. um, I thought that was really special with him. What um with, with Toronto there and like so you kind of ended ended in toronto i mean at at the highest kind of peak of your time yeah. in toronto right so you you had grown into that role there you're you're now a leader you had a letter on your chest what did that what did that transition do for you like having them say hey nick like we want you to be wear a letter here like was that was that a pretty big occasion for you oh yeah it was some special obviously yeah so like like i said like well back then i already know exactly where i am who i am and who i'm playing for you know so that was my ninth ninth year or eighth year in the league, right? Obviously, so I know I learned English. I realized that Toronto is it's a mecca of the hockey world, you know. We're playing there for so long, it's special. And then to be able, you know, when they come up and ask you to wear a leather, you know, it was uh, really, really special for me. Obviously, I take a full pride of it, you know, and then uh, being one of the leaders already, you know. Uh, when, like you said, when coaches come up to you and ask you, like, 
you know some little suggestion maybe how should we run the practice here or should we do little small things like that it's uh it was something new for me but i was really really proud of it you know that i grew up up up, up to that point you know yeah it was a uh, it was awesome actually it was great that's super cool did do you remember like you said, you'd grown into yourself probably as a man too. You know what I mean? You, you, you had your own kids and you're married and, you know, you be, you evolve as a person, right? Through that yeah. whole scenario. So you're obviously more comfortable in your own skin. But having that letter on, did you feel like you needed to take on more responsibility or, or become something maybe more of, of yourself that you, you hadn't shown yeah. in the past? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, just the leadership. Like as like I said, like I was watching Mats when Mats left. Obviously, was uh, was no captain for what, two two years or three years, I guess, mm-hmm. and one year after me. So it was uh, it was a uh, four of us. It was me, Jamal Mayers, uh, I think it was Dominic Moore and somebody else. Like we were sharing kind of you know uh, the letters between uh, between the four of us. So it was a uh, I would say what what they call veteran group, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so you need to step up. That's what you. That's what I want to say. Like you want to be the guy now. You know, you more responsible on the ice, the off the ice. Obviously, you want to carry your team and lead them, right? So that's what I was trying to do, obviously. Uh, and it's a, it's it's a lot to do, like to take that. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of more pressure, but I love that every bit of it. Yeah. Well, there's more responsibility in the locker room for sure. Like you're definitely talking with the coaches more. And in Toronto, I, I would assume that the uh, PR responsibility would, would have gone up as well. Did you find yourself in front of more cameras and answering more questions and doing that type of stuff more? Yeah, I'll, absolutely. Yeah. But I didn't mind that. Like, I mean, it is, it's, it's our job as a players, you know, I understand. So like, I'll give you an example in Russia. When I finished with NHL, I went to play in the KHL uh, for two years and none of the Russian players, like they hate to in- get interviewed after the game, you know, we're talking about it. I feel it's uh, our obligation as a as a pro sport, like pro athletes, like that's how we interact with fans. You know, that's that's media does their job as well, right? So mm-hmm. like, once I learned English and felt comfortable in front of, like you know, on my fifth, sixth year, so I didn't mind talking, obviously. Right. So, right, and that's that was probably a you know. You can't wear a letter if you can't speak English, obviously, right? You know, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in, of course. Yeah. America, and and even to really, you know, assimilate into the culture, right? I mean, to be, I mean, now you're Canadian. I understand, right? You have yeah. your citizenship, yeah. yeah so yeah. now you're you're a Canadian. So like, you must totally notice a massive difference between the Nick Antropov that was there the first four years to how you are now, right? And Absolutely. and and that English must have been a big piece. You said you just learned it strictly in the in the room, eh? You decided to have more conversations. Never took a class. Never took a class. It's like I said, my biggest hurdle was like the guys making fun of you for pronouncing something wrong, and then that's kind of shut me down my first two three years. You know, like I, I was more listening, and then uh, if I hear a new word in the conversation that I did know, I would go and ask uh, Igor Korolev or Yuskevich, you know, or McGillney when he came in in the team, you know. So yeah. I would ask and try to use that in my uh, dialogue next time, and that's that's literally it's like a small little Lego puzzle. That's how I learned yeah. English, basically. Do you know any other languages? Well, I know Russian, obviously, and then that's it. No, gotcha. I can say some bad words in about ten different languages, but because <laughs> you play with all these Czechs and Swedish guys and Finns guys, you right. know. So, but no, just uh, in English. Not to perfection, obviously, but uh, still no, learning. Because my kids, my oldest kids, like always, makes fun of me. Like, what'd you say? I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. When I went to Germany, I don't know. I mean, I always, 
I always liked languages. I always like really admired people that could speak more than one language. And for me, there was um, some type of a mental block that I just, I just couldn't really like. I was really motivated in Germany to to learn German. I was like, you know, I want to, I want to sure. learn this, and uh, took the classes and was trying to work it at home. And 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 for me, I had two mistakes. One, I was worried, like how you were just saying, like I was, I I would get out of my comfort zone. And the way that I, I just didn't want to, I felt like I didn't want to expose myself kind of, right? Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to make that big mistake. And I find that's that people exactly that learn, that. yeah, the guys that learn it the quickest are the guys that just don't give a rip, right? Like they just, that's an ex example where Alex Panikarovsky that played with me. Yeah. So we play, we came in a year apart. So he didn't give a damn about making a mistake. He yeah. would just like blah, 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 everything. And guys were making fun of him. He didn't care. And yeah. I was and he like, learned it. Yeah, and he learned. And yeah, he learned like a year. Well, probably same amount of time, but he came a year uh, after me, so one year less lesser than me, I guess. But uh, gotcha. yeah, he was funny. Like everybody loves him, and, and he was like just like train wreck, blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> Everything together, you know, like and then guys like just dying, laughing on the floor <laughs> on him, you know. And uh, but that's his personality. He didn't really care. Right. That's great. Yeah, when I was in Germany, I mean, the funny thing there was too is because of the, the German imports, or not the German, but the German, like yeah. the local guys that were there, they wanted to, they love speaking English. So, like, they wanted to speak English and I wanted to speak German to German. them. And it's just like, oh, I just ended up speaking English with them. And that, <laughs> like, that was the biggest thing. If I would have just forced myself into those conversations, it would have helped. But mm. um, neither here nor there. So, how, let's talk about you leaving uh, Toronto. Uh, so, that, that trade, did you know that that trade, were you expecting that trade to happen or was it just kind of, Oh, yeah. I, no, I expected since uh, training camp of that, like the the at the beginning of season. I know, like as Brian Burke came in, uh, Ron Wilson came in. I was at the uh, last year of my deal with the Leafs, so it kind of put everything together for me. You know, like so obviously I was on the peak of my performances right at, at the time, so I knew they can get something off me. And uh, obviously, you listen to the media here and there, so you hear your name come up all the time. And uh, so I, I, I anticipated, let's put it this way. Right. Was there, with that new group that comes in, I know when guys, new GM comes in, I was at the, I was on the wrong side of that a couple of times. I mean, they want to, they want to have their own guys and, you know, yeah. they want to bring in their own, their own things and put their own mark on it. Did, was there any talk of you staying there at all? Or did you know that, you know, Zero. you're gone? Zero. Yeah. Gotcha. Never had this conversation. Man. Gotcha. So, so at this time, do you have a wife and kids when you got traded? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my kids were, uh, uh, so it was two thousand nine. So nine and eight years old. Nine and eight. Nine and eight. So they've been entrenched. They they were born in Canada. So they're yep. right. So they're Canadians, and now dad gets traded. How how does that work with you first of all, and how does that work with the family? So for me, it was uh, obviously hard, right? When you hear your name, I was actually the funny story. Like I was, so I came to the game the night before, right? So that's the only season I could have played full season, eighty-two games. If you look okay. at the stats, I played eighty-one games. Yeah. So I came to the dressing room the day before trade deadline. So we played New Jersey at home. I start, you know, undressing, and then uh, one of the coaches was like, "Come here." I'm like. I knew right away, right? So, so I addressed. I went to the coach's office, and they said, "Yeah, you're not playing tonight." Yeah. So, like, called me like an hour earlier, right? Why I drove all the way here? You know what I mean? So, and I was the one of the earliest uh, guys. I always like to be at, a, you know, as he come became older. So
we go to the dressing room like three, three and a half hours before the game, you know, just get yeah. ready, this, this. So I was one of the uh, first guys in the dressing room. So by the time everything happened, so I, I'm already making my way back to the garage, you know, where we park and then all the guys coming into the game and I'm just coming out from the game. <laughs> like, what's happening? I'm like, ah, I'll see you, you know, I guess I'm not playing. So uh, I guess I'll see you down the road, you know, good luck. And right. I went back home, watched the game. And then next day the trade center starts, so, you know, uh, trade deadline started and I was waiting, waiting, waiting. So look, whole morning, I guess it's at 3 p.m., right? Eastern time it finished. And I was like 3.45, like nothing happening. I'm like, what? you know what? Like, I'm like, what's happening? Nobody calls nothing like from like, and then 3.50, nothing. 3.52, 3.50, I mean, 2.52, 2.53. Yeah. And then uh, about four minutes before deadline, I see my name going to New York and then right away uh, Burki called me like, hey, listen, so thanks for the service, blah, 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 you know, like, uh, good luck, so you're a ranger now. <laughs> and then I packed up, so obviously the GM uh, of uh, New York called me, uh, I booked a flight same day at 9, so that was a little sad, yeah, so when my kids find out, so they're kind of, you know, crying, you know, stuff like that, so. Right. I just left, yeah. So the same night I left, and then next morning, uh, next day we played against New York Islanders on the island. Toughest game I ever played in the NHL, I would say. Between that's the biggest rivalry. Like I thought, Toronto Ottawa is a heated rivalry back yeah. in the day. Those New York Islanders Rangers, oh my god, really? That was, <laughs> it was really the, like they absolutely hate each other, I guess. That's why so anyway, you so, go in there for the so, so game one and you're like, holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So different division, obviously, you know, different everything. So good teams, but uh travel was easy, right? So Toronto, it's 45 minute, 50 minute flight to Toronto. So it's not bad. So my family came visit for me because I was staying at the hotel for the rest of the playoffs and everything, right? So they came in right. visit me during the March break, so which is good. And then uh that's how I got traded. Four minutes before the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, I got traded twice in the deadline, and neither time did I even was aware that the deadline was happening. It's kind of funny, oh, really? like sort of oblivious. Yeah, one time I was sleeping in 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 my bed in the AHL and and got a phone call, woke me up. That's when I went to Toronto, and then the other time I was out shopping in St. John's, Newfoundland, and came home, and my roommate was like, "L.A. baby, L.A." Really? Like, yeah, it was kind of wild. So. Anyways, I, I but I never did like all of all of the ups and downs that I did personally and you know different leagues and teams and I never had a family, right? Yeah. And, and now now having a family, right? And having these three kids that you know obviously a massive part of of right. your life, you know, and 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 you are a massive part of theirs. Like it's just like wow, like that'd be that'd be interesting making that transition. But I guess for you, like you said, it was there, so you kind of you knew that you were going to go there, they could come visit. And then the next year you ended up in, in Atlanta where I assume yeah. that they came with you, right? Like you relocated. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Everybody went there. Yeah. After that. So it was, yeah. So it was an important part of the season when I get traded to New York. So it was, I, I think it was like 18 games. I think I played there. So it was like just before uh, playoffs. And then that was my first time in the play back into the playoffs since 2004 season, I would say. Right. Right. So that was the biggest, uh, you know, so it was an important time for me. And I we spoke with my wife and I said, yeah, so just come visit. But then, yeah, like, I mean, it's like I said, 45 minutes, but like with kids and stuff, you know, go back, go there. That's what they eight and nine. So they just come visit for like 12 days during the March. 
Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was a bit back to business afterwards. So I was so excited when I went back to the, you know, playoffs. It was a heck of a series we played against Washington, but uh, too bad. Nothing like playoff that, hockey in the NHL, right? Oh, that was like, that's when you start realizing, you know, when you're a young guy, I made the Toronto. So first four years, you playoffs. We were a pretty good team, so we're in the playoffs every four years in a row, if you look at the stats, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, but that's perfect. You know, that's part of like we – and then like five, six years without the playoffs. And then you're like, holy, that's – it's like <laughs> – it's amazing how it works, right? And then you're like almost 30 years old already, you know, and you're like first time like in six years back in the playoffs and you're like jumping up and down like a small little kid, you know, excited to be in the playoffs. Yeah. It was good how, too. How, how the hockey's just different too, right? It's it oh, completely different. Yeah, like back in the day. Yeah, so it's every game is like yeah. So small little mistake. Yeah, that's it. That's what it counts, right? So whoever le- make less mistakes win the game all the time. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's awesome. And that how, how was that series? Team? We were up, we were up. Go ahead. We were up three one in the series against Washington, right? And uh, the turning point, I think, was when uh, Torrance. Torrance, uh, remember Torrance got sprayed by the uh, Washington fans. Like we were playing game three, I think, or four in Washington. He got sprayed with the beer, and then he like got suspended for one game. So I think that was uh, we were up three one. So I think that was the uh, turning point of the series. <laughs> huh. And then uh, obviously game seven was. What uh, what happened in game seven? Well, game seven, no, it was a good game. Like, we were up one nothing. I actually scored, so that's why I was always reminding myself. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, we were up one nothing. They tied up, and it was a good game. So it was a really, really even game. And then uh, if you YouTube it, Sergei Fedorov, I guess, seven, uh, five minutes or less than five minutes in the game, he, this much room under between Henrik's uh, shoulder and the crossbar, he had this much room just to puck fit him yeah. and then he just rifled it there and then that was the uh, that was it huh. yeah that's crazy man the, the margin for error is so small man in the playoffs it's crazy yeah. what was that like going i mean you had this one experience and i've talked about that a little bit on this show is like how different it is within a team or a culture and an organization you know like how they go about their business do you think the nhl is the nhl but you know, you being in Toronto, Atlanta, Rangers, Winnipeg, I, I would I would imagine that every one of those little pockets of time was was very different, even though they were all called the NHL. Uh, so I would say Toronto and uh, Rangers are on a similar pace. Are both original six teams? You know, they both you know carrying themselves high, and I expect everything nothing but high. You know, like making playoffs every year. So they were similar kind of organizations. You know. Uh, Atlanta, obviously, a small market team it was different, so we didn't really have a like small little fan base. So it was like five, seven thousand people, you know, at the game every night, unless we're winning like five or six in a row. So and then, uh, so it was kind of, it was great time, you know, like you have absolutely zero pressure on the from the media standpoint in Atlanta, right? So it was like two reporters <laughs> doing their job and. Uh, Nothing, right? So even uh, and then uh, obviously going to Winni- back to Winnipeg, it was uh, that was a story that was unreal. Like it was, I've never experienced anything like that. Those fans, the first year especially, holy, it was unbelievable. That's fun. Yeah, when you 
I mean, as from a points perspective, uh, your time in Atlanta, and that's when you signed your, you know, your big deal, uh, meaning contract-wise. You know, you're making a lot of money that, uh, in that yeah. deal, and you had you know the 24 goals and 67 points. Do you do you frame that as your best year? Would you say that was that was your best year in the NHL? Well, if you look at the points, yes, points. Uh, I guess points-wise, yes. But I would put last so that season and then uh, two seasons prior that was the like Toronto and the Rangers. So those like obviously, I enjoy. I really, really, really enjoyed. You know, playing hockey. Like I was like everything kind of going my way. Like my head was straight you know not that before it wasn't straight but like you know like when everything goes your way you're just flying you know everything you touch the pocket either scoring or you get the point or you know you so that was a really and then i had a hip so i played that season in atlanta with bad hip actually since i heard a little labrum in my uh before actually during the training camp so i played on pills pretty much every game that's 72 games that i played i think there Oh wow! Uh, on the pain, so the whole thing was on the painkillers, and then when we were eliminated from the playoff race, so that's why I played seventy-two games. So we kind of decided to shut it down because it was my first year, and I signed a four-year deal there, right? Gotcha. So I went and did the surgery with Doctor Berdia in uh, Nashville, and it was more severe than what we thought because MRI just would show just small little labrum there, like about a couple of millimeters. But then when yeah. they open up keep it was like absolutely complete mess in there you know they didn't see the mri so and that's why you see the points production slower the next season and then after that obviously so because it took me a while just to get back and then coaches changed greg ramsey comes in so he didn't believe in me so he actually scratched me from the opening night although i was ready to go you know oh wow so <laughs> and that was in atlanta but yeah so yeah that was in atlanta my second year yeah Right. That's interesting. How, how, um, yeah, I mean, fighting through the injury is tough. We, we kind of already talked about that. I mean, plus it's slowing you down. Plus you're at an age where it's probably a little bit harder to recover, you know, how, how you'd want. Uh, and then you have a coach that's, that's not putting you in the lineup. What did you have to, how'd you deal with that that year? Did you have to like earn his trust? Did you ever earn his trust or how did that, how did that I work out? Yeah, I don't think I ever learned his trust, but uh, I was always the guy that uh, just, you know, put my head down and work and just show I never go to the have coach's offices and just beg, hey, what's wrong? Like, you know, like, I mean, I'm probably maybe should have done that once or twice, you know, because it, I guess it opened up the relationship between the player and, uh, but I was at this age, I was 31, 30, so I'm, I think I was old enough, not, you know, like, I think. I don't know what's the right word. I should have probably went and talked to him, but I've never did. So I just put my head down, like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't see me in the lineup, I'll show you in the practice or, like, hopefully you notice me. Whatever right. I'm giving, I'm going to be playing. I'm not going to complain. I've never been a guy who complained about ice time, although I should have probably a couple of times, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I like to ask guys about their preparation. You said you, you came in, like, you started to find your, your kind of your niche and you started to be a guy that showed up early and three and a half hours before. What what did that preparation look like for you? Like, what uh, did you do anything mentally with your preparation? Did you warm your body up physically? Like, what was the process Just that you'd go through? Nothing mentally. No, it was fun. You know, you go in the rink, it's fun. As soon as you enter the rink and dressing room, it's like it's, it's, it's excitement started coming in. So I think mentally you don't really have to, in my case, at least, you know, like some guys probably, you know, sitting in the corner somewhere thinking about something. I think it's uh, for me, it was if I do that, I overthink a bit and then you get burned, you know. 
no, just physically, just warming up my body, you know, like I would go on a rink, change, and then, uh, you know, go have a coffee or something like that, and a muffin or some or muffin top. <laughs> uh, go to the trainer's office, you know, talk to the guys, having a couple of jokes here and there, and then uh, for half an hour, you know, and then uh, just go and do, like, warm up, you know, like I, I used to do, like, as I get older, like I said, like 45 to 40, like 30 to 45 minute warm up just before, you know, just to get yourself ready and stuff. So that was right. mostly it. Gotcha. Yeah. Isn't that wild too? Like in, in an environment like, like the NHL, everyone had their own way of doing it. You know, like, like you said, there'd be the guy in the corner, there'd be the goalie with the, with the, with towel over his head. You know, there'd be some guys cracking jokes in the middle of the floor. It's just like everyone had their own way, but you kind of do figure out what that way is that works for you. And, uh, and it, it all, it all fits together. Well, well, let's put it this way. Me, ten, uh, my first years in the league, I would come in exactly two hours, right on dot, exactly walking into the dressing room two hours before. I would change and I would, uh, I don't even remember what I was doing. I was sitting watching TV for like, and then uh, warm up for five <laughs> minutes before, you know, <laughs> warm, go in the gym and then like warm up there. And then again, came up from the uh, warm up off the ice and just sat at my stall like this. So everybody think I'm like a retarded or something like that. Is he, are you, re you know, like I was like, I didn't understand anything. You know what I mean? Right. I was just sitting there and then Pat Quinn would come in, show a couple things on the whiteboard, you know, like, but I was I used to sit just like this, like nothing, you know. And, and <laughs> he actually come in, come comes up to Igor Korolev once and said, "Is this kid okay?" Like and Igor had to translate to me. I'm like, "No, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm just like okay. Just want to make sure." <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I remember that too. Like I, I think that's kind of part about learning how to be a pro. You know, not necessarily that you have to be there early. There were some yeah. guys that I played with that were really good pros that came in late. Um, or on the dot, you know, but at the beginning of my career, I was like, I was always the guy that was like, just there, the, like, yeah, whatever the coach to, said you had to be there, like, that's when I would show up, you know, um, just because I didn't know what to do, honestly, like, I didn't really know what, what I was doing there early, you know, and I was a guy that, like you, I felt that the less I kind of really thought about stuff, the better off I was, so I'd be stretching in the middle of the floor, and I'd be that guy, you know, chirping guys, or trying to get guys to laugh, and, um, and I think, I mean, but I did, as I got older, I figured out that, you know what, there was a place for me to kind of worry, like to deal with the mindset stuff and to get yourself prepared and not just sort of be automatic all the time. So I kind of found a happy medium myself, but um, no, that's cool. What, what, why don't we, I mean, we're running out of time here and, and I, well, actually we should talk about the Jets a little bit because that's a really big thing, like bringing hockey back to Winnipeg. You're part of that team that comes there. I think you score the first goal, don't you, ever for the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, yeah, I'm in trivia now, NHL trivia forever. <laughs> That's super cool, though. Like, what uh, what is your what's your memories of that city and and that and that uh, year was, and being a part of that? Well, I, I've been in Winnipeg in '98, right, '99 uh, during the uh, World Juniors, so I kind of know the city a little bit, right. But then uh, when they announced that Atlanta moving to Winnipeg, and uh, obviously went on the internet, started researching a little bit more, right, because. Like I said, I had a family already, so just to what to expect and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, but that was amazing. So we came in a little earlier, obviously. The like I rent a house there, and uh, you know when they announced jets are coming in, so the prices went like way, 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 way high. You know, <laughs> it was crazy. That was like one of the funniest moments too. But anyway, so we got the house, and then uh, just that 
I was always like, let's put it this way. So, so when they announce, and then when it's come close to the season, the training camp, in my mind, every night I keep telling myself, I want to be the guy that scored the first goal. Oh, really? I was I was talking to myself about this, like I like how amazing would it be, you know, like it would be like, and then every day closer and closer and closer, like the hype in the city was like you you, you can just see like everywhere you go, like it's all jets, you know, like it was it was amazing. And then every game, well, I mean, every day closer and closer. And that game day against Montreal, I was sitting, and that was probably one the only moment moment in the dressing room. Like you said, I was sitting like this and just keep thinking, like it would be amazing, you know, it would be really amazing if I scored this goal. Like just that's how, like <laughs> you know. And then obviously it happened in the second period. I believe it was uh, it was ecstatic. It was like holy, like whatever went through my mind. I don't know. I can't even like. I don't even know what went through my mind. But it was uh, awesome. I know my daughter and my got spilled with the beer when they started celebrating. Everybody jumped, and the guy behind her like just dumped the beer on her. My wife was yelling at this guy. She was telling me after that. <laughs> so what was it? What was the goal like? The goal like like you mean yeah. like. Play? How'd you score it? Yeah. Oh, in front of the net. Same. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, so I battled in front of the net. The guy tripped me, but the puck was... So I was in front and in the crease. The guy tripped me, so the referee called the penalty. So he put his arm for penalty, delay penalty. So I, I saw already as I was falling, so the puck went to the point. So I got up quickly just to get a body possession on this guy again, on the defenseman. And the guy, our, uh, I think it's a uh, Stewart. Stewart, yeah, the defenseman uh, shot the pucks. I tipped it, and I turned around right away. So for the, if it, you know, there is another uh, rebound or yeah. stuff, and it came up back to me, and I just backhanded it back in the net. So that was uh, oh, perfect. I know it was a uh, typical my goal <laughs> in front yeah. of the net, I guess. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's super cool. Um, before we run out of time, I totally want to talk about what you're doing now because I think it's really interesting and cool uh, that you're, I don't know if the right, if the title's right, but is it a skills consultant? Is that what you would call yourself? Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So how did that start? Um, who contacted you or did you contact them? And, and, and what did that look like at the beginning? So, uh, like I mentioned earlier, my son plays in the OHL, right? So CHL league. So, uh, Obviously, he was in Oshawa, which is 35 minutes away from my hometown, uh, from Toronto, where we live. So uh, I was there every game. So there is a bunch of scouts, GMs and everything, you know. So you see, like I see Brian Marchman there that I played with, you know. You see uh, Todd Harvey, so the alumni we played together. So you just, you know, start talking and they introduce you to some other guys, stuff like that. And I always want to get back in hockey. I mean, that's the only thing I knew, obviously, right, since yeah. I was five. Uh, and then about third year... After third year, so I obviously when I retired in 2015, so I took a couple, three years off just to be with family and stuff like that, you know, build a house. So it was really busy. And then after that, when you have more free time, so I joined the alumni at the time, you know, so you meet different people. Anyway, so I see uh, one of the, uh, Reed Mitchell. So he's like with Toronto Maple Leafs for us. When I was even, you probably know who I'm talking about, no? I don't know. I don't know that no? name. I don't know. Reed Mitchell. No. So. So he's been probably 20 plus years in the list. So he was, uh, I can't remember who he was, but now he's like in a scouting something, like one of the heads, not head scout, but so, so. you'll know his title if you look up anyway. So I right. talk, so I see him. So I sit down and say, hey, what's up? Like, you know, kind of start talking. And I'm like, yeah, so is there any chance for me to somehow get involved? You know, so he's like, yeah, sure. 
uh, I'll let you know. Uh, and then nothing was happening, you know. So I, I kind of whatever, you know, like it's happened, it happened. If not, it's because you know how tough it to get into the NHL, right? Like with a, any any it was anything, you know, as a player or as a scout or as a something. But anyway, so I think five months after that, so I was already like trying to contact the Jets actually because uh, I talked to uh, assistant general manager there. He's like, hey. I saw him at the game too. He's like, "Yeah, just call me in the summer. You know, we'll figure something out." Blah blah blah. <laughs> and then uh, Scott Perlin, which is a senior director for player development with the Toronto Maple Leafs, so he came up to me, approached me at uh, one of my son's games again, and uh, it's right after the draft because it was a prospect camp usually after the drafts okay. happening so he's like hey would you mind to come up and help me out you know with the russian players i'm like yeah sure so that's how it basically started i went out for four days there help russians translate obviously not concentrating only on russians but trying to help out other guys you know like small little teams so they like what they see and then nothing again for like till august and then in august he called me back and said hey there is a why don't you come up and you know just small little interview with uh, lawrence uh, which is assistant gm yeah so I did a little interview and get hired. So that's how it started. And now I do. It started like basically everything starts with Russians helping Russians to on the ice understand more, and then off the ice kind of. And then uh, it kind of became more and more and more for me. You know, so I was spending time with the Marlies during their practices as a interpreter for Russians if they don't understand a little bit. But then you know helping yeah. out and then running a drills, skill drills at the end of. The you know like during the year so it's, it's cool yeah. I love what I'm doing now so it's like I always awesome. be on the I always want to be on the ice with the guys and if I can help in any way you know that's that's awesome and then I remember first practice when they called me up for first practice to be on the practice you know during the practice I was so nervous my adrenaline was like you know like it's your first NHL game like when your adrenaline goes and then that's that's exactly the feeling it was you know when I stepped out into the <laughs> practice. Uh, Marley's practice first time I was standing and guys like all looking at this high speed guys are like I'm like holy you know like I was like <laughs> ecstatic it was awesome uh, that's funny do you think the game is uh, uh, is the game faster now absolutely hundred yeah. Oh. percent yeah way way faster yeah yeah the um, stuff they can do now with the park or to amazing like it was not like ten years ago obviously right. So what do you – and there's a learning curve there too, I mean, I, I'm sure, right? I mean, just like stepping oh, yeah. in the NHL, like you said, you know, you got to figure the game out and figure where you fit out. Like now now teaching skills, like where do you – you know, what skills do you bring in? How did you develop that? I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you trying to pass along to these guys? So basically, I wouldn't say it's my role, but like I'm concentrating more – down low game you know like boards in the front of the net that's what i've been uh, you know successful during my nhl career you know so that's kind of working around that below the hash marks area you know but I, obviously i'm not only concentrating on that so there is it's i think it's nine or ten of us so there is a skating coach there is a defenseman there is a couple more skill guys you know so there is a whole bunch of things so it's a lot to learn it's been only a year obviously so I'm feeling more comfortable with every day that I was on the ice before the pandemic started, obviously, right? And then, uh, right. but uh, the fun part is, you know, like when uh, 
you work with the guys or particular guys for like red how to redirecting pack where to stand in front of the net how to arrive there you know what timing like or how or what to do with the defenseman in front of you and actually see it in the game and it worked for the guys you know it works for the guys and they scoring goals that we just worked like two days ago you know on this particular drill it was it was good feeling actually and then i always go into dressing room and like hey like matt used to say about his backhand make sure he let know everybody knows you know you see my backhand <laughs> so i always say remember the drill we did <laughs> yeah so it's awesome cool. so is that mostly with the marley's then or are you ever with the uh with the leafs I did a few skates with the Leafs, but I was more like just a learning curve for me. So I run maybe one or two skill practices, just again, same thing around the net and stuff like that. But uh, I would say about 95 to 80, 90% to 85% I'm Marlies, because like I said, I, it's my, I want to learn first. And then if Leafs need something, help or something like that, you know, then obviously I'm ready to say, I'm right there, right? I'm 20 minutes away from them. Right. What, what if, if they need extra body, like a coach or something like that, or, you know, so. Right. As far as the new players that are coming up, you said, I mean, they're fast and they're, and they're, and they're skilled uh, just in general. If, if there is a general thing that you see that these guys need help with, um, what is it, these young players coming up? Well, the main, main goal, like just to how to adapt to the next level, you know, like you play a junior career, that's different. You step into the different shoes now, you're stepping into the men's shoes, you know, so that uh, that adaptation period. So on ice, pretty much everybody at these days can do anything, you know, like skating or skill sets, everybody like way better than we were 10 years ago or 15 years ago. It just the how to adapt. So the sooner you adapt, and that's what we help to accomplish with the guys, soon as to that men's hockey, you know, and how to be a pro now, right? It it helps kids to grow faster as a player, and you know, and, and contribute. It's good for the club as well, right? And contribute. No, yeah, hundred uh, percent. The physicality is interesting. I've I've talked to a few guys about that on this podcast because it's like it's a it's a less physical game in general, uh, and guys don't really get to test themselves. It seems like unless you're in that big rivalry game during the regular season, or if you get into the playoffs. Um, because that's when that's when the physicality gets turned up again, uh, kind of like the old days a little bit. Do you? I mean, you played a physical brand there, being in front of the net. Is that is that anything that you know that, that you're talking with these guys about how to how to compete in in those areas? Yeah, yeah. The guys who yeah, like in front of the net. Yeah, when I run my skills there, or like in front of the net, that's the only. Like basically, I tell yeah, you have to be a goalie. Like you have to be a goal because you have to be in front of the net. You know how goalie likes doing small little shuffles when puck goes cross ice, so they do the small little shuffles or try to see around the net like this around the players. So you have to be. I, I told him, yeah, I tell him always, pretend you're a goalie. So make sure you move as a goalie. You know, with puck goes, make sure. So stuff like that. But uh, I and physicality, I like when I played. I if you stand like if you go and battle against Chris Pronger, let's say, right? Like if you're a smaller guy, you're not going to win this battle by standing there. So what I used to like to do. I calculate. I try to see when the puck goes back to the point. I don't want to be at the front of the net yet. When it arrives, and guy or def- are my defenseman ready to shoot, make sure I always have a eye contact with him. Right, I arrive just a second before 
he released the pack, you know? Because you, yeah. if you're 240 or 245 or 230, you arrive with the full force. I don't care who you are as a defenseman. You're not going to stop me. Because I'm arriving, I'm skating, you're standing, right? The only yeah. thing you, you can do, you cross-check me, that's two minutes. So I used to always arrive just before he, my defenseman relieved the puck. Instead of standing and battling for like five seconds, get body possession, right, right on this guy. Right. So, so that was my kind of. I tried to pass it on to those kids too. What is um? Just and it a like they they know they notice they work. It, it worked. Yeah, uh, I've I've noticed that the game has changed as far as how they're how they're teaching defensemen because a lot of times defensemen are fronting the guy in, in, in that's in front of the net instead of being behind him. When we played, there was never a defenseman in front of us. It was always behind you, slashing your slashing your ankles or cross checking you in the back. Exactly, yeah. What is like? What is the theory behind that? Are they are they supposed to be better able to block the puck? In your opinion, like, well, why is the defenseman yeah. going in front? Yeah, just like you said it. Yeah, so I, I, in my in my opinion, yeah. So if you are defenseman and you can stop that puck before it gets to your goalie or to this guy who you're battling in front, so you already have one guy or maybe even two behind you. So that's an odd man rush right away if you manage to move the puck right away after you blocked it or stopped it, right? Or mm-hmm. intercept it before it gets to the front of the net. So that's the... I think in my in my opinion, that's a theory. So, And back to the one of my last seasons, that's what coaches wants you to do. Like They kind of want you to battle as a defenseman before, but then if, if, you, if you can get in front of the... Uh, opposite team forward right and try to stop or intercept or block it and move it to the so that's how odd men men odd men rushes sure creates right, as, right away. as a forward my gosh you, you would must have loved to play with guys doing that i mean and even if a puck does get through i mean that you, there's no one between you and the goalie i, I that, that part to me is just crazy yourself. right so that's what why that? yeah when they started doing this so i'm trying to yeah that's 100 percent. then then you're just you and a goalie and a puck right so and uh, that's when I played, when I realized the you know opposition team start doing this. So I try to block, I, I try to block the goalie first with my big body, and then when puck comes in and defenseman try to get around you, all you have to do is just put your body like half a step towards him, so he's in the mid, like in no zone. So right. like, he's not in front of me, he's not be, he's just behind me, but he cannot do nothing. So that's uh, it's kind of it's not a science, obviously, but you have to. Like young, as a young guy, they don't know that, right? So you have to kind yeah. of show them a couple of clips, find a couple of clips here and there. So it's a, uh, it's a good, yeah. And when you see when it became into the game and they start using this, you know, that's not a relief, but it's a good feeling. You know what I mean? Like you accomplished yeah. something with this guy, and it's good. No, that's so fun. It's so great that you're giving back. I mean, I, I really, I really enjoy that, that aspect. And when even like these interviews, right? I, I, I view these interviews as as giving back to these young guys that are coming up, you know, to have a resource to see what it is that Nick went through to get here, you know, what the little tricks that you learned along the way, whether it be, you know, in the dressing room or on the ice that, that allowed you to be the player that you were, because uh, anytime we can shorten timeframes, you know, for people, you know, like help, help figure exactly. it out for them. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes you, it makes you feel good as a guy and, 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 you know, you're helping someone else, uh, helping someone yeah. else in their career, which is a good thing. So, that's cool that you're involved, and I'm sure you're really involved with your son as well. And do you have a do? Is the younger guy coming up with uh, being a hockey player oh, yeah. too? Oh yeah, he's been he finished uh, three years already of playing. Yeah, so he plays year up. He's only seven years old, but he's uh, like between my oldest and the youngest. So my youngest is like 
like just a bully like he's like oh my god like i gotta settle him down before the games he's like hitting guys you know and like he doesn't he hate to lose so if he's right. losing like you better watch out the opposition team so you'll throw a hit or two <laughs> which isn't, that so not fun? isn't that so fun it to is. watch your own kids coming up through it and doing it now it's uh, uh no it is fun obviously yeah yeah that's been a really interesting thing for me because I kind of left the game for a little bit, just doing you know corporate business stuff, and and then had the kids, and then they started to like hockey. So I mean, where where do I end up now? Is at the hockey rinks, which is getting me back in the game, which I'm super super grateful for and thankful for because, like you said, it's really all I ever knew, and it's a it's sort of a comfortable home homey place to come back to, and yeah. now to see the next generation go through it and have that same passion and that same drive and you know want to want to succeed it's pretty fun to, to yeah. be that as a dad now Absolutely. But, did you have a chance to coach them at all just on a side did you ever did you ever coach so well i'm helping out to the coaches mostly i just open up the bench you know like <laughs> open up bench let the guys so with all this guy i always coach uh during the uh, spring because i uh, spring hockey you know like because i yeah. used to yeah. play when my oldest growing up so i wish i spent more time with him and I wish I was knew what I was doing, and I was providing with more skating coaches or everything, you know. So I didn't know anything back then. I didn't even know how to sign into hockey. Imagine that. <laughs> so my buddy from school, he goes, "Hey, why don't you son play hockey?" I'm like, "I have no idea where to go." He's like, "Yeah, here, just fill out online form. There's a rink five minutes from our house." I'm like, "Yeah, I know there is a rink, but what do you do?" So right. and that's how <laughs> I get involved in the hockey was for my oldest son, and then. Obviously, I've been traveling and skiing and uh, playing, so I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. But with the little guy, yeah, so you have everything now, you know, like from shooting pads, from extra yeah. skating coaches, this and that, and like crazy, right? So, a little different than the, than the leather skates you had growing up, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you remember the name of those skates? No, I'll have to look it up when we're off oh, for sure. Yeah. Up, uh, they were red and uh, red toe and uh, red. Tonga and then everything else is like a brownish. So it was like, that's awesome. I'll send you a picture if I'll find it. If I'll do find it, it I'll it. send you a picture. Oh my god! Well, you've been so great, Nick. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go. Thanks so much for the time. What a cool conversation! I know everyone in the group here is gonna love it, and everyone on the podcast there's, uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. And, and my gosh, like this plane in Toronto is such a unique experience unto itself. And for you to be a tenth overall pick there and to go climb your way kind of to the top of the mountain almost and that city's pretty yeah. cool and now you're back there working with them that's awesome and i'm happy to happy for you with that and yeah man like we'll keep in touch for sure uh i'll, I'll let you know when this thing goes but i i do appreciate your time and thanks for being here anytime anytime I'm so thank you for joining us today listeners nick if you're if you're listening to this thank you so much again for taking your time uh, to do this, I know as a as a father and as a and as a man involved with an NHL team that's getting back uh, to doing what they what they do. I, I know that your time is is precious, and and for for Nick to to share all of his experiences with us, wa walking us right back to his days as a kid in in Kazakhstan, and and all those crazy stories about coming over to North America and then uh, becoming an NHL player, long-standing NHL player that he was. Uh, so many nuggets there are so many great takeaways and uh, and really humanizes the, the hockey player which which I, I love talking about you I mean I love those conversations you know being 20 19 21 years old being booed when you touch the puck having to deal with that on a personal level and yet still trying to perform in the results based game of the NHL 
is beyond trying and is beyond difficult and is very, very exposing and a very vulnerable place to be. Uh, we talked about Nick having kind of a bubble there with his Russian teammates and not knowing the English language and not really being surrounded by what's happening in the media. But he said he knew. He, he knew so well that, you know, he was hiding his number from Pat Quinn's because he didn't want to be called called out for the shootout. And, you know, so the stories like that that I think are, are really powerful to hear that, you know, we all go through these things. And I know you guys listening right now maybe can't experience what it feels like to be booed by 19,000 people when you're when you're 20 years old. But we all have things that we're, maybe we're struggling in or things that aren't going our way right now. And maybe we've lost our confidence. And just remember that, you know, we come out the other end. If we want to, if we need some help, we can ask for it. If we persevere through it, it's going to work out. Uh, don't quit always 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 keep your head up and keep looking for answers and and i think nick's story was was really wild i mean he was so brave and so courageous on so many levels and and to have the nhl career that he did uh, and now a canadian citizen and having kids grow up in canada and, and being hockey players themselves it was really cool to spend that time and to hear nick's story so thank you so much again for being here please uh please share the episode please like uh like and subscribe all those great things that help promote the podcast that would be much appreciated by me and much appreciated by those who will be exposed to the podcast because i know we're talking about some really good things here and it means a lot to a lot of people out there so please do your part and until next time play hard keep your head up